0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au
1: if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And soak in my presence. Practice walking in my footprints. Dance in my court. Bring shouts of thanksgiving. See creation in vivid colour as you discover me, the creator. My voice is
0: speaking. My presence is here. No matter your circumstances, I am with you always.
2: Home is a place of retreat. It's a place where the family gathers and life happens. And the hub of this is the kitchen. Here, Jason thinks he's the king of the castle. Joey raids the fridge and Jess creates amazing cheese platters. And more recently, it's been taken over by Aurelia's baby bottles. It's busy, sometimes chaotic, with calendars and dishes everywhere. A bit like life which is why God calls us to come alongside Him and spend time in His presence. You
0: know, deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God, because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with His people. From the beginning of the Bible to the very end, God chooses to be present with His people. And through faith in Christ, God has made a way for all people to enjoy His presence every day. Unfortunately, we get so busy doing, we get easily distracted earning, we get satisfied with inferior pleasures, and we miss out on experiencing the life-transforming presence of God in our everyday lives. You know, as we celebrate all that God has done in our church over the last eight years to see Vision 2020 become a reality, I really believe that God is bringing a season where there's a new hunger in our hearts to know His presence every day.
2: We want to be a people who seek after God, who learn more and more the sound of His voice, meeting with Him in private, falling on our knees in His presence, desperate to know His power in our lives. In 2020, in all of our campuses, we want to create an atmosphere and an expectation to encounter God's presence in all of our services. Thanks, hon. I love worship and I love the way that as I focus on God in worship, He restores my soul. He speaks to me and He fills me afresh with His Spirit. We get to experience this together when we gather for worship. In 2020, we're going to experience the presence of God together through new songs of worship, stories of people being transformed, being taught how to live every day in the presence of God, unpacking it in our life groups and putting it into practice throughout our week. I believe that God will grow a hunger for his presence within us as we commit to meet together to worship him in 2020.
0: I love being alone in the presence of God in nature. Whether it's sitting on my milk crate down by the dam at Mackenzie, or walking in the bush or on the beach, God meets me where I'm at. He fills me with His peace and He encourages me through His Word. Wherever you go to meet with God in 2020, we want to help you experience and enjoy His presence. And this year we're starting a weekly podcast that will help you to practise the presence of God in private and to bring the presence of God into your public places.
2: In the coming year, our prayer is that all of our homes will be filled with the presence of God. Across our campuses, we wanna see families come together to experience His presence. Our kids ministry will partner with parents to provide spiritual discussion. We wanna see youth and young adult ministries grow as they pray for one another and encounter the Holy Spirit. I'm really looking forward to what God does in our men's and our women's ministries as we build community and help everyone to find their place to
0: belong. Yeah, in the early church, the presence of God was no longer contained in a temple, but actually in a community of people committed to being His healing presence in a lost and broken world and every believer today is sent somewhere to bring his transforming presence to a world in desperate need. Some, like our Gateway Beyond workers, have been sent to far-reaching places like Asia and Africa, and we'll continue to support them generously in 2020. But for those not sent overseas, he's called us to be a light in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, and in our services throughout 2020, we're gonna honor, encourage, and pray for you and your profession. And we'd love you to invite your colleagues on these days so that our whole city gets blessed through your ministry in the workplace. Our Gateway Care Ministries will continue to expand into every campus, transforming the lives of those in great need in our community. And as always, our prayer in 2020 is that more people in more places would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior.
2: I believe God is growing within us a hunger for His presence. Every week in every campus, we'll gather to pray. And once a term, we'll come together for a multi-campus prayer night to soak in the presence of God. There'll be two significant seasons of prayer and fasting in 2020. In February, we'll start praying for blessings over our families and breakthroughs in our community. In July, we'll seek God together for what He has for us as a church beyond 2020.
0: You deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God. Because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with His people. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what God will do this year in all of our campuses and in all of our lives as we hunger for His presence and bring His transforming presence to our communities in desperate need.
1: Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. How is everyone this morning? What an incredible time of worship, and as we heard from our senior pastors, Jason Suze, just about what God's put on the heart for our church. Hey, uh, I just want to pray before we get into God's Word this morning. Dear Father, we thank You. We thank You this morning that we can be in Your presence. Lord, I pray this morning that You'll speak into our lives. Lord, that You'll begin to stir something in us this year that might change and influence the people that we live, work, and laugh with. So Lord, this morning, we just wanna hear from you in your mighty name, amen. We have had an incredible, uh, incredible weekend so far. On, for those who, if you've uh, just come here for the first time this morning, uh, my name's Dave Moore, I'm the campus pastor here. Uh, and we gather together Friday night with hundreds of, of leaders from all the different campuses up at McKinsey. And, and, and Jason and Susan shared the vision uh, across for our church. And, and as they shared this morning, they, they shared the word that, that, that's been put on the leadership team's heart for our church is the word Presence presence and then yesterday we gathered with a whole lot of volunteers here as we prepared our hearts and and practically for you and for this coming year for the people that we live work and laugh with who we're going to bring through those doors to be part of the family here for people who are going to come to faith here for people who are going to find hope and, and a family here just like so many of you had and and yet this morning on Sunday Vision Sunday for the year This is the day where it all begins. And I don't know about you, but are you ready? Are you ready for your year? Are you ready for what God wants to do in you this year? Are you ready for what God is going to do through you this year? As together we seek God's presence and see what God might do in and through our lives as we simply focus. we put a concerted effort to go, God, you know what, this year, God, this year we just wanna seek your presence. Presence. You see, from the very beginning of the Bible, we read that in Genesis chapter 1, when we, God created everything, the thing that He loved to do, so desired to do was to come down from heaven and to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve and to be present with them. And then throughout the Bible, we we, we, we read similar stories, moments where where God's so desire is to to be present with us, so much so that He sent Jesus, His one and only Son. And then we read in Revelation, we read the moments where God so desires to be with us that one day He's going to take us to be present in heaven with Him. Jason said a tagline or said a line in in his message, and it simply said this, Deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God. Because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with His people. Presence. Presence. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're focusing at. That's what we're going to be hungering for. That's what we're going to sacrifice to see more of in your life and my life this year. But this morning, as we kind of launch into Vision Sunday, as we launch into the vision that God's put in our hearts this year, as I'm going to share a little bit of the vision for what that looks like for our campus, what that looks like for each and every one of us, I actually just wanted to stop. and we're going to, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And I dare say that it's a passage that probably none of you have read. Or if you read, you did it like I did for a long time. That's kind of skim read it and go to the next section. And I'm going to just apologize in advance for a whole lot of names I'm going to get wrong, all right? Uh, And you'll get them wrong too. But, But before we jump into 1 Chronicles chapter 13, what I want to do is just paint a little bit of the picture of what's been happening up until this point. Uh, Saul has been king and, and Saul has finally come to the point where he has passed away. He's died. And, and David has become king of Israel. And the Philistine army had had raided Jerusalem and had taken the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant was where, where, where the, the Ten Commandments lived and was where, where God was. And so the, the Philistine army hearing, and that was the Israel God. And so they came, they, they plundered the nation of Israel or the, the, the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem and they took the ark of the covenant away with them and then God, uh, God didn't like what they'd done and so he cursed them with boils and if you don't know what a boil is think of a massive 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 big zit so he curses the, the 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 army and the nation of Philistines with boils. And so they don't like the idea of boils. And so what they make a decision, they're gonna, they're gonna put the ark on a, on a cart with an oxen, and they're gonna slap the oxen, and they're just gonna kind of say goodbye to that, and hopefully good to the goodbye to the boils and the massive big zits as well. And so then this, this ark and this oxen kind of just meander and wander, and it ends up arriving at a, at a Jew's place in his name. Was was abinadab and then david hears the news and he hears that now god who's in the ark the, the ten commandments that are in the ark are now free and they're at abinadab's house and so he makes a decision he gathers together all the generals and said we've got to go and get the ark of the covenant we've got to go get god we've got to go and get his presence and so they run down and they, they go and grab it and they set up and prepare a party in Jerusalem from bringing God in a box back to Jerusalem. But then we read this random little part in the story where the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant is on the cart with the ox. And the, the cart so that the ox stumbles, and that the, the cart, we don't know whether it fell in a bit of a ditch or something, but that it looked like the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall off. And in that moment, there was a guy by the name of, of Perez, and he put his hand out and touched the Ark of the Covenant just to stop it. And God strikes him dead. There's a whole lot of reasons around that, which I'm not going to go into this morning. But all of a sudden, David is filled and petrified, filled with fear. And he's petrified at what he has just seen. And the fact that God has just killed him, killed Perez like this. And so he doesn't know what to do. And so what he does is he goes, you know what? I'm just going to dump and run. I'm going to dump the Ark of the Covenant at a guy by the name of Obed-Edom's house because I don't know what it is all about. And I'm a little bit scared. And so he dumps it in his house and kind of, runs off. seeing King David in that moment realize that the presence of God is powerful. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to open up to 1 Chronicles chapter 13. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to read just a few verses from verse 12. It says this, David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He did not take the ark with him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with his family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. How long? Three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. The Lord blessed his household. And everything he had. Now imagine what that must have been like. Now, we've got to understand a little bit of context. Context is that Obed-Edom is no doubt a wealthy, and he's a, and no doubt a wealthy man, a, a farmer, a business owner, but he's also a man of high standing in society. Now how do we know that? Well, because I know that, that Matt and Dana, who were just up there, uh, had a little baby late last year. This little bundle of joy who I think Matt is holding right now. Is that right? Yeah, good, good. And hopefully I'm not waking up. Uh, And and they have this little, amazing, beautiful blessing from God. But just suppose, there it is. It's like the Mephasa moment. Ah. Now just suppose for a moment. At the end of the service, they go, you know what? We would really love to have some babysitters. Now Dana's parents are sitting just behind them. Let's just ignore, just to pretend that they're not here for a moment. So just say they go, you know what? We need some babysitters. So what they do is they begin to scour the room like they're going to do in just a moment. They're going to begin to look the room and they they begin to look at kind of a variety of different people in the room. And they look at you and they see a shady, dodgy looking character uh, and they kind of make a decision. You know what? I don't think as they looked at you, a dodgy, shady looking character. I'm not implying that everyone's dodgy, and shady looking character. Uh, I doubt that as they looked at you, that they would have you on speed dial to look after their baby. In verse 14, it says this, The ark of God remained with family of Obedidim in his house for three months. How long? Three Three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. I wonder what might have happened. I don't know about you, but I read those moments and I go, I wonder what it would have been like to be Obed-Edom. I wonder what it would been like to be Obed-Edom's wife and kids. And I wonder what it would have been like to be Obed-Edom's slaves and, and servants. And, and, and it says that everyone, which means everyone, everyone in his household is blessed You know, in my mind, I was kind of thinking about it last night, you know what, I reckon that would have looked like this. You know, they've got animals and they've got, you know, cows and sheep and goats and whatever else you had back then. I reckon it would have been like, instead of, you know, all of a sudden, they're they're having babies. And all of a sudden, instead of having one baby, they're having triplets or quintuplets or whatever whatever the numbers are after that. All of a sudden, there's, there's babies getting born everywhere and lots of them. You know, I was kind of thinking about it and I was going, you know what, what that would have meant, no doubt, and every parent knows this, that for the next three months, their children did not complain about what they were having for dinner once. Every one of the kids and every one of the slaves' kids and servants' kids, everyone's gets straight A's in school. I was thinking about it going, you know what, they, they, the crops that they would have had, you know, that may have yielded a ton, you know, per hectare or acre, all of a sudden they're getting 15 or 21 out of the, 21 ton out of the same amount of room. The bank calls him, you know, Obedee's doing his business and the bank calls and goes, hey, excuse me, is that Obedee? Yes, it is. Hey, uh, we've, we've realized we've made an accounting error and uh, we're, about to re- we're about to give you three times the amount of money in all of your accounts just because we made that blooper. Now I've never had that. That would be a good, good day, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, his wife goes to Master Chef. She wins Master Chef, gets the book, the book thing, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. The confetti comes from, from the roof and everything else. You know, he wakes up and his grey hair has not is no longer grey, and the hair that had disappeared begins to grow back all overnight. You know, he wakes up. He is twenty five kilos lighter while he slept, and he got three times better looking. Now, none of that I can prove, but I reckon that as he was blessed. The Bible says that everything he had was blessed. And now Obed-Edom begins to realize that the presence of God is powerful. But he realizes that that he can get so close to the ark and he can get so close to the presence of God that Obed-Edom begins to realize that not only is the presence of God powerful, but the presence of God is personal. That it's actually something for him. It's something that impacted every person in his family and that it is something for you this morning. That is actually something for every single person in your family. Obadiahs oh, and realized that the presence of God is powerful and the presence of God is personal. But then David begins to hear he hears rumors on the grapevine. He begins to hear that, that, that Obed-Edom's house, the one he he kind of dumped and run because he didn't know what's quite to do with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, everything has been blessed. In a moment where he's going, you know what, I'm not sure. And he just hears rumors of what's been happening and the blessings that began to flow because God's presence is with him. I mean, imagine what it must have been like to be Obed-Edom. Imagine what it must have been like you didn't do a thing. You're quietly sitting at your breakfast table that morning. There's a knock on the door. The king's there. You don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, he just hands something over to you. You don't really quite. And then you realize what it is. And then he leaves. Obed-Edom didn't do a thing. And then all of a sudden, everything's blessed. These pay rises. They pay off the houses. The kids start listening and not complaining. They lose weight, they, you know, they lose weight while eating Nutella and ice cream. And they win Tats Lotto even when they didn't buy a ticket in Tats Lotto. Imagine what it must have been like to be Obed-Edom. To have everything you have and everyone you love blessed because the presence of God is there. Because both David and Obed-Edom realize that the presence of God is powerful and the presence of God is deeply personal. But see, unlike David, Obed-Edom revered the ark and he obeyed God's commands on how to treat the ark and the presence of God. But now King David wants it back and he goes to collect the ark of the covenant. But this time what he does is he, which is what he should have done the first time around. Have you ever noticed that kind of the times, You know, we, in hindsight, you look back and you go, I wish I had have done that and maybe the outcome would have looked a whole lot better. Well, David eventually does that. What he does, he goes back and he looks in the the, the book of Leviticus and he understands and he reads how they were supposed to treat the Ark of the Covenant and what that was supposed to do in transporting it, what that was supposed to do in the presence of the Ark. And then we read 1 Chronicles 15, two chapters later, verse five, it says this. For the descendants of, actually, I'm not gonna read that because there's a whole lot of names and I will get to that in a moment. But what he does is he, if you look at those, those next few verses up to verse 10. David gathers together a bunch of Levite priests. I'd crunch the numbers this week. 868 priests, David's gets together. and they consecrate themselves. They prepare themselves, physically and spiritually for what they're about to do. And 878 priests make their way to Obed-Edom and now they knock on the door at breakfast time and now Obed-Edom opens the door and there's not just the king but there's 878 people standing at his front door looking at him and this time they don't want to get rid of the ark this time they want the ark and then we read on in the next few verses Read on, there's a little bit of an interesting thing that says, uh, what happens next is they take the ark, they put it on the cart, they get the oxen, and every six steps, they stop and they offer a sacrifice. I can't remember any steps all up. Does anyone in counting then? We just call it six. And at that moment, they stop and they offer a sacrifice. And we don't kind of always understand some significance of numbers in the Bible. The number six stands for and represents our humanity and our sinful nature. And number seven is, is the number of God and His divinity and His perfection. What he was saying is, you know, at, at, at six steps, I want you to recognize your own need for me. And I want you to recognize your own, where you are with God, that we are not perfect, that we don't have it all right. And yet I want you to come and I want you at number six, stop and offer a sacrifice. If you think about just in a couple of thousand years, a hundred years later, where Jesus, number seven, came as the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. So here they are. They come, six steps. They offer a sacrifice. Now, you, can you just stop with me and think practic- practically. Could you imagine how long this would have taken? Imagine how like, every six, all oh, right, like I don't, I don't know, did they have to build an altar and kill and there was a special way to kill it? And like, it would have been a massive long thing to be able to get from just here to the door over there. And they had to sacrifice three and a half thousand animals to get from Obed Edom's house to Jerusalem. See, they realized that to gain the presence and to get into the presence of God takes a high. Price. Imagine how long that trip must have taken, the effort, the planning, the preparation, but most of all, the cost that came with it. All because they realised that the presence of God is powerful. They realise that the the presence of God is personal, but they realise that the presence of God comes at a high price. And so then eventually David and, and, and uh Levite priests and everyone else that have kind of found their way along and, and and a lot less animals eventually get to Jerusalem. And there's a massive big party and we're going to look at this in coming weeks and and David does some crazy things that I'm not about to do on a Sunday morning but read it and you understand what I'm talking about. And then eventually that gets the, the ark gets to Jerusalem but could you imagine now What it's like to be Obed Edom. I don't know if he's still sitting at his breakfast table finishing off his breakfast. But if you think about it, this time something's missing. This time there's kind of like an eerie, still quiet as everyone's reflecting on what was just and yet what isn't now. Something's missing, something is different. The ark of God, God's presence has left the building. And then we read this passage, which is the passage I want us to to spend a bit of time in this morning. And I'm going to apologize for names that I have no idea how to say. And don't laugh because you don't either. So 1 Chronicles 15 verse 16 says this in one moment. David told the, le- the leaders of the Levites to appoint the following Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So the Levite priests appointed, ready, Heman, son of Joel, from his relatives. Asaph son of Barak, from the relatives of Meriah. Ethan, son of Kesh- Keshik. We'll, that's, we'll go with that. Uh, with them, the relatives of next in rank, Zachariah, jazriel Shamoth, Hill, Yuna, Iolab, Bener, that guy, and that one, and that one, and that one, and, and then Obed-Edom and jael as ga- the gatekeepers. The musicians, Herman Asphalt, I'm sweating because I'm trying to get these names right, and Ethan was sound with it. Sorry. And Ethan were to sound the bronze cymbals. Zechariah, Jael, Shemoth, Jehiel, Unat, Eliab, were the play that lies according to Aramath. And Methaliah, Abediah, Obed, Edom, Jehiel, Azariah, were to play the harp directing according to the Shemith. Still going? No, it's just, just we're still going, all right? Jenaniah, the head Levite, was in charge of the singing with a responsibility because he was skillful at it. Baraka, Elanana, were the doorkeepers of the ark. Shabitha, Jehoshaphat, Nathiel, Amaziah, Zechariah, Benaniah, and Athesa, and the priests were to blow trumpets before the ark of God. Obed-Edom... And the Jehiel were the doorkeepers to the ark. And that's all I am reading of those names. Now I don't know about you. As I mumbled and bumbled my way across a whole lot of different names, did you notice anything? Did you notice a name that came up three times? The same person's name. Who, Not that long ago had the ark of the covenant in his house. See, You've got to remember, Obed-Edom is a wealthy, well-respected man of high standing who had servants and servants' servants to do the menial jobs around him. But then we read verse 18, says that, that it names the people who were to be the, door, the gatekeepers to enter the temple. That were just the guys that kind of as everyone walked in. Just a menial job, not something that was highly high revered that anyone really noticed. And it numbers and it names those specific people. And guess who was one of those people? Obed-Edom. And then at verse 21, it goes on to say, you know what? And then they needed some harp players. Now, I don't even know that, that Obed-Edom played harp, but apparently he played harp or learned harp and was very, very good at it. And so all of a sudden, it just rattles off a name, group of people's names that were, that were harp players in the temple. And guess who was one of them? Obed And then it goes on to say, and you know what? And then they needed some people to kind of, to be the gatekeeper, the, the doorkeeper to enter where the ark was, the most revered place. So it rattles off kind of a little, a list of different people's names. And guess who is on that list of people's names? Obed-Edom. Here is a wealthy man of high standing in society who becomes a gatekeeper, who becomes a harp player, who holds doors open so that people can come in. Welcome to church this morning. Here is a wealthy man of high respect now lowering himself to do some of the most mundane jobs, all because for three months, God's presence was in his building and it changed everything about him. And it changed who he was and it changed who his kids were and it made an influence in his family and it blessed upon blessing upon blessing across his family's life. And over Edom's life and his family was changed because of the presence of God had been taken and he gets to this place of hunger. He gets to this place where he's willing to pack up his whole family, hundreds of people and all of their stuff and all of their Lego and all of his tools and all of the whatevers and, and make the long trek all the way to Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the presence of God was. It wasn't in his house anymore. It had now gone to Jerusalem. Because Obed-Edom realized and discovered that the presence of God is powerful. He knew that the presence of God is personal. But he also knew that the presence of God comes at a high price. See, in the Old Testament... In these moments, we read that, that the presence of God was, was confined or boxed, box. Or, or, you know, we kind of read different stories where the, the presence of God came upon a prophet or someone, and they would go and tell a king what, what God was saying. There was these moments where, where it was only specific people for specific seasons, where God's presence would come on people, and then it would lift off them again. But then we find the New Testament. And then we come into the New Testament and we read that something changes. We read that something inside is different. The Holy Spirit no longer wants to come in visit, but He wants to come and inhabit. He no longer wants to just kind of hang around for a moment, but He wants to move in. He doesn't want a guest room anymore, but He wants to live inside of every person that loves Jesus, and he's given their lives to him. And everything begins to change. And everything begins to change inside of us. And we begin to grow like we've never before. And his presence is now no longer somewhere at at, at some venue that we've got to go to, but it's now found inside of us. My question to you this morning is how aware, how aware of God's presence are you? How welcoming of God's presence are you? And how much do we listen to his presence? Because I don't know about you, at the beginning of a brand new year, as I've been thinking through this and praying over this and going, going, God, what do you want to say to me? Not as a pastor, but just as a human being. Not as a pastor, just as a man. Not as a pastor, just as a dad. Not as a pastor, just as a husband. Not as a pastor, but just as a friend. God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me, your son? And I've realized that I need God's presence more than I've ever need God's presence because I've now got three kids in school and one of those kids is now a teenager. I need God's presence more than ever. I need God's presence for wisdom. I need God's presence to care. I need God's presence to give me patience. And I need God's presence to try and give me a larger bank account to look after my daughter who's now spending money like it's going out of fashion. Because I'm the dad bank. You see, I need God's presence more than ever. You see, when I say that, I don't want more of God's presence in church, which I do. But I want more of God's presence in my life as I'm dealing with people, as, as, I, as I'm looking at expensive bills that come in the mail. As, as temptations arise and I try and not do those things, when my emotions begin to roar and when I'm tired and I'm under pressure, I need God's presence more than ever. I need God's presence for more than an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. I need God's presence when I'm driving in the car with a bunch of you guys who are erratic and crazy drivers just like sometimes I might be. I need God's presence when I'm at home with Shadi and with the kids. Shadi's nodding her head as I talk about cars. Uh, I need God's presence to be the best father I can. I need, the best, I need God's presence to be the best husband, best parent. In fact, I want God's presence. I want God's presence to be with my kids as they go off to school. I want God's presence to be with them, to grow in them and teaching them as they walk into school and they learn all sorts of things. I want more of God's presence in my life. And I don't know about you, but I need God's more of God's presence in my workplace as I make decisions. I need more of God's presence as I coach the under-12 cricket team at Park Ridge Panthers. I need more of God's presence as I interact with my neighbours. I need more of God's presence because everywhere His presence is, power is available. See, we read a story in John chapter four when, when Jesus is just going on His ordinary, normal life and He's kind of just wandering along. He gets tired, and which makes me feel because if Jesus gets tired, it's okay for me to be tired. And He sits down next to a well and a lady walks up to Him. Now this lady we read is not someone that's popular at least with the other ladies in, our, in their community. And, and no one likes her because I've been trying to think about how I explain her career and, and her choice of living. She's, lived, she's been married five times and now she's given up on marriage. She's just shacking up with a bunch of different guys. And Jesus stops and acknowledges this woman and begins to allow his presence to impact her. And they have a conversation as a result of God's presence and the result of that conversation, her life is forever changed. We read a story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is just wandering along one day, just doing his normal thing. And all of a sudden, in the distance, he sees up a tree, a short guy. And he looks in the trees and thinks, that's a really strange, I don't even know what you're doing in the tree. And he, and he calls Zacchaeus down. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't someone that everyone loved either because he was a tax collector. In other words, his job was to rip off his fellow Jews, to make a lot of money off them and give a little bit to the Roman Empire. So no one liked him. And Jesus stops in the middle of a crowd and everything he's doing. He stops, he looks at Zacchaeus, and says, hey, come down. In fact, you know what? Don't just come down, but I'm having dinner at your place today. He invites himself over. And the result of that one interaction, that one conversation, Zacchaeus' life is forever changed. And he goes, you know what, I realise that the presence of God is, 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 comes at a high price. And so what I'm going to do, because I realise what I've done, I'm giving everything back. Every person that I've ripped off, the money's going back to you. And then he says, he makes a statement, and anything I have left, half or more I'm going to give to the poor. He's gone from the very, very most rich and affluent to down and out. And his life is changed because of one encounter with God's presence. See, wherever his presence is, power is available. See, this year we're believing that we will see blessing and breakthrough as together we all together go on this journey of seeking God's presence for my life and your life, for my home and your home, for my workplace and your workplace and my neighbours and your neighbours and the people that we live, work and laugh with. And together as we go on this journey of seeking God's presence that we might see breakthrough and blessing like we've never seen before. And Cherith says, I've been praying and talking with the leadership team here and talking with Emma and Cherith and kind of thinking through, God, what do you want to do here? I mean, presence is a great thing, and we need more of it. And I've just told you I need more of it, and I trust that you need more of it. But, but what, is the, what is the vision? What are some of the things that you want to do through your presence and through God's blessing in our campus this year? So things that we feel like God's calling us to do this year. And you've heard me talk about it before, but this year, I promise, we will build a building in that back corner. And in that building, it will be a building for our kids and our grandkids. It will be a building that's built purposely for them, for our young people. But it's also a building that's going to be built purposely so that we can launch our wholeness and counseling center here, so that we can provide a resource to you and to me and to our wider community. You know, we're gonna build a building that's also gonna be able to house and launch our Gateway Care Ministries. As we look into our community to say, how can we help? God has given us much and we wanna serve and we wanna love on and we wanna care for our community. And we are going to building so that we're gonna build a building so that we can do that. We're gonna launch 15 to 20 new life groups this year. You see, as I talk about a building, you know, that will impact us Certainly but it'll actually impact our wider community. But as I talk about life groups, life groups have the potential to impact every single one of you as they've impacted me. So this year, we're going to launch 15 to 20 new life groups because we need to make more life groups available for every one of you so that you can grow that you can laugh, that you can cry, that you can drink great coffee and, drink, eat, and eat great food with a community of people who notice you and who love on you. We're going to launch our young adults ministry this year. I'm so excited about about um, about Mike and Vicky down the front row just here. Mike leads worship up here, and Mike and Vicky are an incredible gift uh, and in- amazing people into our church, and they're going to run young adults this year run a ministry that's designed at one of the most challenging and complicated seasons in life. And they're going to go, you know what? We want to love on young people. We want, to, we want to help just get around young people and build a community of young people, of young adults here. And then we're going to make a commitment together to go on a journey to make more space for more people. Because Jesus loves people and we love people people yeah we, we make a statement i've said this so many times we make a statement that every person who walks through those doors is welcome every person every one of you every person that we live work and laugh with is welcome through those doors Is not going to get judged according to anything but we just want to, we need to create space so that more people can come and find a hope that's found in Jesus. They can find a hope and a family and a community of people that would just love on them with no strings attached. So stay tuned this year. There's going to be more things that will be happening this year. Be praying this year for our campus, for our churches as five different locations. And we're doing this because Deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God. Because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with his people. Just want to let that sink in. See, God in his grace has made a way. He is the way maker. He is the one that came to make a way Fair for all, Fair for every single one of us. No matter how broken or how perfect we might think we are. But God, through His grace, has come to make a way so that we can be in His presence. But unfortunately, we all get busy. Unfortunately, we get distracted by life and by stuff and by whatever else that happens to us we get satisfied with inferior pleasures and we miss out on the experience and the life-transforming presence of God. Church, it just blows me away that, that we've got a God who wants, who desires to be in presence with me. because I'm not perfect. And yet God so loved the world. He so loved me. He so loved you. And I believe that this this season is gateway. That God is beginning to grow and will continue to grow. A hunger within each one of us to be transformed by His presence that is calling us back to Him. You know, the last two years for our church has been an incredible two years. In two years, we've planted three new new campuses and you're all sitting in one of them. You know, in, in, in 18 months, we've seen 82 people give their lives to Jesus. For the first time we 've seen people broken made whole we 've seen families and marriages about to end in divorce and end in destruction we've seen them heal we 've seen the Holy Spirit heal people miraculously with God do we 've seen God do exceedingly above more than at least I could possibly dream or imagine. And yet God is calling us in the midst of so many things. He's calling us back to an intimacy, back to to His presence. Where He's just saying, you know what, it's not about all the stuff and it's not about, and they're good, but I just want you to come back into my presence. I just want you to come back into connection with me again. So this morning is I want to ask you a question what are you consumed by see the thing that stands out to me about Obed-Edom's story is this Obed-Edom had it all he was wealthy, he was affluent he had everything well he thought he had everything and all of a sudden the presence of God comes And then all of a sudden, the presence of God leaves and he realises he has nothing. He thought he had it all. And now he realised he had nothing. Nothing of eternal worth, nothing of significance, nothing that really made a difference in life. And so what he did is he packed up everything. What he did is he, he gave it all away. He did whatever he had to do simply to make the trek with all of his family To Jerusalem to do some low menial jobs just so that he could get into the presence of God again. I want to ask you just a really simple question What are you distracted by? What are you consumed by? This morning, as I was sitting in Reuben's bedroom this morning—it's kind of on a Sunday morning with all the kids up and everything else. It's the room I go to 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 kind of just go over my sermon and just go, "God, what do you want to say this morning?" So I'm sitting on Reuben's bed, and I go, "Goldie, what do you want for me? What do you want to say to our church this morning?" And I felt God drop one word into into my heart for each one of you this morning, and that's the word alignment. What He wants to do this morning is He wants us to realign our lives. To just put everything back into focus again. To realign, to step back from some things, to say no to some things. You know, Cherith talked about that. next Sunday I'm going to preach on fasting. It's not something I love to do. I've done it a couple of short times and I was successful and somewhat not so successful as I didn't eat food. So God's been challenging me. Are you more hungry for my presence or are you more hungry for your steak? So from next week, challenging our church to go, you know what, will we together fast? Now that might mean we'll talk about it more next week. It might be a social media fast, or it might be switching the TV off for the next 21 days, or it might be whatever it might be for you. Can I ask you to pray this week? God, what is it of significance in my life that I need to, I need to be more hungry for you, and I need to be more hungry for your presence than just simply my phone and so I can scroll through Instagram or Facebook? God, I need to be more hungry for you than than what food enters my stomach today. And then see what God will, not might, but will do as we seek God and His presence this year. What do you need to realign this morning? What do you need to shift the focus from this morning? You know what? If you're anything like me, I can try and do some of this on my own, and I success and I probably have more failures than successes. You know what helps me? First and foremost is God, but you know what helps me is people around me. It's people around me who will keep me accountable. It's the people around me to ask how I'm going in those seasons, in those moments, in my realignment of the shifts and the tweaks. It's those moments where I go, God, you know what? I'm going I'm to do something that is scary for so many of us. But I'm going to actually come down the front and seek to get prayer and support and say, God, you know what? This morning, I need to get things realigned. This morning, the pre-team is going to come. In fact, if they want to just start making their way down now, as we pray for you, as we stand with you. Going, going, you know what, God, I want I want more of your presence this year, and I need to realign some things. This morning, the last thing I want to do, and one of the most important, is going to ask you. Maybe you've been coming along to church for a few weeks, a few months, or maybe it's your first time this morning, and you, you've been hearing about a God who wants relationship with you. There's a God who wants connection with you. That you've made mistakes just like I've made mistakes. This morning you can begin a brand new journey with Him. Forgiveness from your past. Forgiveness from the sins and the, the things that we've done and receive a new life, a new eternity, a new purpose. So this morning, I just, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray your prayer, which I'm gonna invite all, every one of us to pray this morning. So if you wanna close your eyes for a moment, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, for too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of new life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart Lord Jesus and be my Saviour. Amen. Romans chapter 10 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are Saved This morning, I want to just ask you a question. Who here prayed that prayer for the first time this morning? Will you raise your hand with us this morning? Because we want to get a gift with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you. And we want to cheer you on as you make the most important decision of your life. So this morning, is that you this morning? Will you join 82 other people across this campus. Many, many, many of you are here who are here this morning. It's awesome. We're going to do it again next week, and the week after, and the week after, because there's still people that need Jesus. This morning, the team's going to lead us in a time of worship time of reflection. The prayer team's down the front and we want to pray with you and we want to stand with you as you make some shifts and tweaks and realignments today. Say, you know what God, I need more of your presence this year. I need more of it in my life, in my family and whatever else it is. But God, there's some things that I need to do this morning. Some business that I need to make just to make some slight tweaks and some slight shifts. Because I want So church, why don't we stand this morning? As the team leads us in worship, why don't you come forward for prayer across this place this morning?
2: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.